Welcome to UCLA Extension's Business Insights with Roger Ternaden, where we highlight hot topics and underlying economic trends useful to you. Today we'll follow our new format by discussing jobs in our initial segment and summarize larger economic issues we'll face this year in our second segment. Our jobs segment will take advantage of a most recent update in the UCLA Anderson forecast as of the first week in January. More physical aid and the release of pent-up demand following mass vaccinations do lay the groundwork for economic growth and jobs growth, but that's during the second half of this year and into 2022. We continue to assume the Federal Reserve is successful creating record-breaking amounts of new dollars to themselves by upward spiraling government debt as federal deficits remain at 3 to $4 trillion each year. However, the current situation month to month is increasingly grim. 3.9% real gross domestic growth this year, 2021, now that Democrats control the presidency and both houses of Congress. This new administration has communicated plans for additional unemployment compensation and potential infrastructure packages that could push growth even above 3.9% this year and into 2022. The current situation, January, February, March, and so forth, is increasingly grim. The jobs report for December, released earlier in January, shows a decline of 140,000 jobs in non-farm payroll employment, with losses concentrated, not surprisingly, in leisure and hospitality, private education, and government jobs. Gains did occur in professional and business services and retail trade, actually, construction, transportation, warehousing, and manufacturing. Anderson foresees a continuation of record low short-term interest rates until at least mid-2023. An earlier increase would suggest a faster and more robust economy, but that's not expected. There are two downside risks to their forecast. The first is political instability, which we know quite a bit about now, unfortunately. The second is additional virus mutations. Either one could significantly set back the recovery. We did learn in early January that the changes in net jobs by sector as of the end of December were, as I mentioned before, pretty grim. Leisure and hospitality across the country actually lost approximately a half a million jobs. Private education lost 63,000, government lost 45,000, and even information services, utilities, and financial activities were very close to no growth. The professional and retail services increased employment by 161,000, and retail trade increased employment by 121,000. And in my view, this shows a serious issue because at the present time, there are approximately 20 million Americans who are either out of work or who are working part-time, wanting full-time jobs, or have been defined out of the labor force because they quit looking for jobs for more than a year. And that's, that's an issue. So actually to be not creating jobs, admittedly it's December, and we would expect kind of the opposite 
going into the holidays, but not creating jobs when so many millions of Americans are out of work or to find out the labor force and wanting full-time jobs is a serious issue. So as we do get increases to the labor force, even that is not really optimistic unless the increases month to month are multiples of what we saw before December. So in other words, many hundreds of thousands each month, keeping in mind that approximately 2 million people each year are new coming into the labor force from graduation in high school or universities. So the target is moving. It's becoming pretty difficult. Overall, the labor force pre-COVID was approximately 152 million Americans, and that dropped rather dramatically in March-April. According to official statistics, about 22 million. So 22 million were dropped off the labor force, but of that 22 million, only about half have rejoined the labor force. So we really do need to see, to be optimistic, far higher increases month to month in employment. I think I mentioned this in a couple of podcasts. It's expected to take us to 2025 and maybe even longer to get back to the full employment we had back in the beginning of 2020. Anderson did have an interview with Professor Martha Olney from UC Berkeley. Last name is spelled O-L-N-E-Y. I'd like to summarize some of the main parts of Professor Olney's economic research. She has been a student of the 1920s Depression, as well as the dot-com bust, the 0809 Great Recession, and today. Professor Olney has pointed out that we will have issues in our economic recovery that really go well beyond COVID. These additional issues are consistent with findings, as I mentioned before, in the 1920s, 1950s, 1980s, the period 2000 through now. And that is coming out of a recession or a depression, a number of purchases are made as hard assets or more capital assets like houses, automobiles, major appliances, and so forth. And we're seeing that now, even though the reasons are a little bit different, COVID basically shut down a lot of the services economy and still a lot of it remains shut down. But during these periods of coming out of recessions and depressions, even without COVID, the pattern was to purchase the capital assets I just mentioned to the detriment of services. And we're beginning to see that now in the auto market. We certainly have seen it in the real estate markets where individuals are taking on substantial amounts of new debt for the purchase of long-term assets. And this is the kind of spending that influences the following year or two in that installment payments or credit card payments or mortgage payments are the first priority of payments to be made. And when those increase, as I mentioned during these periods, when those kinds of purchases increase, the fixed payments from the family budget are made first and cutbacks are typically experienced in the services area. So we are now going into a period where she suggests that there's a potential headwind because we've seen people get mortgages in record numbers. We've seen consumption of durable goods spike during COVID. We've seen people cutting back on services so far because they've had to. But once we're all able to go out and spend, all the pent-up demand is going to be released. And yes, there'll be more travel. Yes, there'll be more manicures. 
more haircuts, and more individuals will go out to restaurants. But there's a very serious risk that people have taken on new longer-term debt contracts that leaves the economy in a precarious position. That is going to keep the brakes on for a real rapid snapback of services. So a snapback of services is not seen. We'll certainly go from zero to a, a positive number. It'll certainly be noticeable. But in terms of the suppliers, the people who own the entertainment assets, the movie theaters, the restaurants, and so forth, based on history, it's going to be pretty slow. So a lot of the economic growth that is anticipated, if not all of it, the later part of this year and into next year, is not really shared by the services industry. And I don't think a lot has been said about that so far. So that was, to me, a very interesting thought by someone who studied the recoveries for some time. I'd like to go to the economic issues in our second segment. The increasing money creation by the Federal Reserve to buy increasing government debt while pumping up liquidity into the municipal bond market, the corporate bond market, and the stock bond market continues. And actually, the amounts are getting larger and larger just to keep some semblance of stability. And as I discussed in last year's podcasts, I do expect the Fed to continue to ramp up its balance sheet assets, just mentioned. Those assets increased from about $800 billion in the early 2000s to more than $4 trillion in attempting to mitigate the 08-09 recession and over $7 trillion today fighting the COVID-impacted economy. And that appears to be growing, again, as I mentioned last year, to over $10 trillion by the end of this year, 2021. What does this mean? Among other things, it means that future cost push inflation for raw materials particularly, and we're now seeing that the continued inflation in real estate, continued inflation in stock market assets, as long as we avoid a dollar crisis, which is another issue, will create higher risks of instability as we go along, as the Fed continues to create money to buy government bonds, and that money continues to be pumped into the economy, which, as mentioned before, primarily impacted real asset prices. Not so much our unemployment issues, and not so much our American colleagues who are in face-to-face jobs that don't lend themselves to remote work. And generally, those jobs pay enough compensation for renters to maintain apartments and related residences. So this year continues to see this major difference. As inflation under the surface, because of the way inflation is measured, again, inflation is really significantly, in my opinion, becoming an issue. And you can look at pretty much all of the raw materials assets and check prices now versus a year ago, and you'll see that it's much more than 1% or 2%, and some of the assets are up 10 20%. And that is being fed into the system in terms of new home construction, in terms of manufacturing supply chains that are being rebuilt to focus on American production. These raw materials prices are feeding in. And additionally, face-to-face workers are the ones who have continued to be employed during this COVID crisis, are the workers that are able to work remotely, continue to receive pay increases. And these pay increases apparently are more in the 3 4% area, not 1% or 2%. 
So for a segment of the American workers, prices are increasing, not only for raw materials, but for work, while the workers who do need to maintain face-to-face work bear the brunt of the high unemployment and continue to need and receive government support packages. So the sum of all of this is an economy that is a barbell type of economy. Some workers and real estate and stock owners are at one end, and that end is getting to be larger. And renters and service providers are at the other end, and that end continues to be under very substantial lifestyle crisis and financial crisis. So any slowdown in the Fed money creation and or any slowdown in government benefits increases to the people who are impacted at the difficult end of the barbell will create risks for actually the stock market and bond market. So some of the sell-offs as Congress proceeds with their record programs that appear to be around the corner and the Fed proceeds with its record money creation, which we made the corner on that. I I don't see a corner. Some of the sell-offs and some of the volatility could be really severe. So be extra cautious. And overall, we really do continue to recommend that no matter what your job, your profession, your business is that you really spend some formal amounts of time each week focused on the impact of artificial intelligence, robotics, information systems advances, customer relationship management, systems that only a few years ago were very costly and sort of problem-filled are now coming down substantially in price and are of higher quality. Every occupation, I suspect, is in the impact period for remote work and utilizing 5G as 5G rolls out. And we're going to see much more automation. No matter what the occupation is, it's time well spent to sort of get on top of what these changes are that are in process. This is not five or 10 years away. It's happening now. And that's a tip-off to bring oneself up the learning curve to deal with the changes, manage the changes, and be a part of the changes as opposed to being negatively impacted by them. For our audience who would like to have more of a foundation in the areas that we're talking about, I again recommend a free course, no cost. It's available through the UCLA Extension website, www.uclaextension.edu. And on that page, just navigate quickly, scroll down to free courses or no charge courses and in that list of courses you will see the course that i'm teaching that is covering six weeks it's very much self-directed i bring a lot of outside recent assets into this course no textbook is required and as i mentioned the course is free so i really look forward to you joining our course the newest section of our course starts as you will be hearing this podcast It's open for enrollment. We are beginning our first week, January 15th through the 22nd. And even if you are a few days later, that's okay. It's pretty easy to catch up. The course requires two to four hours a week, but it really focuses on helping you gain an understanding of the patterns that we see in past panics, recessions, depressions, and recoveries. Since in the United States, we've had about 40 of these since we began counting in 1776. Thank you again, and be extra cautious with investments, and please be extra diligent 
about learning how remote work and automation is impacting your job, your profession, and your business. Stay cautious. Bye-bye. Be sure to email us at rtornadin at uclaextension.edu on more specific questions, which we will answer either personally or select as part of our future podcast. Hosted by Business and Legal Programs Director Roger Tornadin. This podcast is presented by UCLA Extension and produced by Jamie Moss at Studio 10960. These podcasts are made for educational purposes and are not financial advice. The goal is to educate and provide resources on focused economic and job trends with the latest support research so that you can make more informed financial and career decisions that best suit your personal needs. UCLA Extension offers more than 5,000 online and in-classroom courses taught by over 2,000 leading practitioners to help you get from here to there. For more information on this podcast or our financial and legal programs, please check us out at www.uclaextension.edu. We know it's about your life, not just your money.